Welcome to another edition in this series of talks organized on behalf of SPIDERS, the sole platform for initiating discourses on equitable and resilient society. The talks complement a series of original papers published on the SPIDERS platform dedicated to outlining the building blocks of post-capitalist political economies and societies not oriented around growth and profit, but rather good lives and a flourishing web of life in times of profound planetary change. Hosting these talks, our founder of the Peer-to-Peer -Peer Foundation, Michelle Bounds, and myself, Ro Kranz. And today, to help us outline some of these building blocks, we're joined by distinguished guest, Dr. Mary Meller, Emeritus Professor at Northumbria University, author of numerous articles and books on feminism, politics, sustainability, and economics, and for the Spiders Platform, author of the paper, Public Money for Social Change in the 21st Century. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. So to start off, uh, we thought it would be great to hear from you directly a little bit about what got you into these fields, uh, your influences, inspirations that help shape uh, who and where you are today. Well, my, my first uh, areas of research were in the social economy um, on cooperatives. Um, but uh, I, I subsequently added to that an, an interest in feminism and particularly ecofeminism. And both of them brought me to the relationship between uh, uh, the uh, uh, parallels or, or the outside to the mainstream economy, the market economy. And um, so I developed out of the ecofeminism the uh, difference between um, uh, moneyed economies and the uh, non-paid non economy, the uh, free labour of uh, unpaid labour of women, which got me into there. Um, but then uh, later on, I became much more focused on the public economy. And uh, so I was interested in the relationship between the public economy as a bridge to the non-paid economy of uh, domestic labour and to the parallel economies people were building um, I did a particular case study of the British cooperative movement, which is one of the, you know, the, the original and big cooperative movement. Um, so basically, I've been on a journey to try and find um, how we, th those of a, how we can construct economies that can live with or live without or live around the market economy. And particularly when we got to the post 1970s um, era, and neoliberalism took over what I call market fundamentalism or handbag economics. Um, then I saw that as the main uh, as the main focus. I was just thinking today that uh, I, I argue very much for the democratization of money and see money as a very important instrument. And um, I thought, you know, how undemocratic was the neoliberal Tina? There is no alternative. I mean, how undemocratic can you get than to tell people there is no alternative? So if I've done anything, I'm looking for alternatives that will really create change. You've got you know, the millions of alternatives that haven't actually triggered change, but I'm trying to think of the best ways to trigger change. So there is an alternative or many alternatives. Thank you so much for that introduction also from uh, directly from you, yeah. Um, so for our first uh, real question concerning your paper, uh, we thought it would be really great to uh, first focus on the, the first part, which is the critiques of neoliberal theories of money uh, before we look at the more radical alternatives. Yeah, well, sorry. If I can say something, I, uh, because you use the word handbag economics and I'm not sure that everybody is familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, if you can just briefly introduce that, yeah. that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. Right. Right. Well, the, the 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 depressing thing about it is how much neoliberal uh, theory around money is absolutely mainstream to um, uh, to economic thinking going back to Adam Smith and wherever um, Aristotle even um, the idea of um, there is there are precious. Uh, um, uh, the, the money is a, is a precious thing. Uh, it's, it's, it has a value of its own, and its uh, its ideal is um, gold coinage and all this history of money. 
where we, we're seen as having, uh, as, as money having its own agenda, as it were. It, it has its own value, its own agenda, money talks. You've got to have, the politics must be sound money. And uh, when you came from my position, um, which was about unpaid labor, then you want to know, well, if money is a given and it, then it has its own logic, why has its logic excluded women's labor, the damage to, na to nature? Um, so that's what I opened up. And I started to go into the, the ins and outs of neoliberal and, and mainstream economics, because this thinking is mainstream, about how money is created by the market sector and the market funds the, um, the public sector. And, uh, and this, this is where I developed the concept of handbag economics. Um, because, I mean, we, we well understand now and we've well appreciated that uh, we're treated, uh, the, we treat the state, neoliberal ideology treats the state as if it's just a household. We mustn't uh, pay more than we, we mustn't spend more than we get in. We mustn't take debt. Um, uh, you know, we must live within our means, tighten our belts, the whole austerity ideology. And uh, I, I christened this, uh, it, uh, I, I think I'm the first one to use it. There might be others elsewhere, but I've predominantly used it. This handbag economics, and I had in my mind Mrs. Thatcher's handbag, uh, you know, with uh, and the, 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 her tea, because she's the architect of Tina, there is no alternative. So I christened this handbag economics. That treats the um, that treats the uh, the, the state as a, the public sector as a household, and uh, so it's that ideology I'm getting at because we, we now there's no question of the state being a householder with the current pandemic. I mean, the state is the is the only is the only game in town at the moment. Um, it shows which is by far the strongest economy, whether it's a public economy or the private economy. Um, so I'm trying to upend the whole thesis of neoliberalism. Um, maybe I, I, I'd like to interject something. Um, you know, some people are kind of saying, I don't know if they're joking or not, but they're kind of saying, well, actually MMT is already applied, but it's only applied for the rich, you know, with a trickle down. But actually, they, it seems like they're, they actually have pragmatically accepted the underlying idea of MMT by, you know, quantitative easing and on a massive scale, you know, twice, first in 2007 and now in, in with the pandemic, it's just that they're directing it in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you, if you read, um, oh yeah, yes, I, I see what you're getting at. The, uh, the, the saving of the, of, the, of the jobs and the uh, massive amounts of public expenditure. I, I, they're saving the population. I thought you meant MMT people, but you're meaning the current economic system. Got you, got you. Um, yes, uh, what, what they're, well, the, in a way they're directing it where it needs to go because they, they, they are job guaranteeing with the furloughs that they're, and the backing up and the backing of the, of the, uh, private sector, while, while not diminishing in any way the public sector. I mean, before, we've, it's always been, neoliberalism has always presented as a battle between, if you put it in the public, you've, you, it's a zero-sum game. If there's more public spending, that means there's less for the market. If there's less, uh, if, if you want more for the market, you must cut public spending. And this is the zero-sum game, which is this ideology of a limited money system, which goes right back to gold and silver and scarce commodities and um uh, I, I was so i was wondering whether you know without really saying it the, the powers that be are now actually actually kind of accepting the premises of mmt yes yes through yes. their through their action not their theory but actually what they're doing seems like they now also believe that they can create money when needed well they've, they've no they've admitted this from the uh from when the Bank of England made the statements in 2014 and the uh, European Central Bank made the emissions, the IMF made the emissions, Bernard Bernanke admitted he was just pressing keystrokes. So what the MMT and plenty of other people have been saying uh, is that the, the way this, the money can be created, there are magic money trees, the state can create money. And, uh, and it constantly does create money, whether, uh, whether it's directed to the market for quantitative easing or whether it's by direct public expenditure. 
and that the idea that all the the ideology of neoliberalism that all wealth came from the market in, and money is created and circulated by the market is just fallacious and uh, we've they, they've had to um, what I've been saying and what MMT have been saying is that we're not do, making utopian demands about how the money system should work. What we're trying to say is that this is how the money system works. States are not households. States do not have to wait on the market to create the wealth for them to spend. You can have public wealth, you can have a public economy, you can have, you have all money is public money, that's my case, because in the end, as a people, we are responsible for the integrity of our money system and the fact that we all agree to abide by it. Because that's all money is, it's a, it's, a, it's a system we agree to acknowledge each other's contributions. I know there's great inequalities in market systems. I mean, I'm, I'm not accepting that that is how it should be. But, but the money system now, particularly the fiat money system that we've got with no reserves, gold, or any of these uh, ideological assumptions, um, basically, it, it is just a, an agreement between us all to honour each other's needs and each other's work. Um, uh, so, so, you know, it is, a, it is a social system that in the end has to be publicly administered, otherwise uh, the system grows or dies, you know. Um, so that's, that's my, so, and it's being, it cannot be denied anymore. It wasn't being denied by the central banks anyway, but it can't be denied by the public now. They're still, although they're still talking, the, the, the thing that annoys me most about what they're doing now is they're talking about borrowing this money. They never talk about state expenditure. It's always talk about state borrowing. And this is, this, is, this is just a smoke screen because most of that debt is held by the central bank, which is part of the state. Or I, I, I mean, it argues it's in, independent, but that's another neoliberal ideological position. So, so um, the, you know, the, the, the state can create money, it does create money, it always did create money, and it was always responsible in the end by a, through its space system, through the integrity of the money system. So does that answer your question? No, not quite. You're, you're well, what I was trying to, okay, what I was trying to say is that, the, but the way they spend it, it's still trickled down, right? It's still the idea that you you the money that's created is going to the banks the financial system yeah. and hopefully that will maintain the economy flowing and then it will trickle down to the people who need it but there's well, no there's no so that money is not used for social policy or for equity or for any you know of, of the goals that that i'm that uh, you have that you also have so it's kind of a perversion of, of what you're proposing. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is that well? It was. It was uh, uh, with quantitative easing after the financial crisis, and that was pumped into the banks for for and expected the banks to you know uh, create more loans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, which of course hasn't worked out. It's just gone into inflating asset prices and stock markets mm -hmm. and housing and all the rest of it. Um, uh, so, so it's gone. It, so it it was definitely challenging nothing from the financial crisis because the speculation, the gambling is is back where it started, if not right. worth it. I mean, that figure that Oxfam brought out that the 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 money extra gained by the top ten earners in the world could have vaccinated the whole global population. I mean, those mm -hmm. are things that are absolutely horrible. But what has been the 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 the, the the space we've got, the, the, the opening in the current crisis is that they, they can't do that anymore. The, the, going through the banks is a dead duck. You've mm -hmm. got to give the money directly to the private sector to sustain it, keep all the pubs in, in you know, keep the staff on furloughed, et cetera. But also you can't cancel any of the public sector, particularly the health service. So it shows that the really in the end, when it comes to, down to the bottom line, the bottom line is feeding and, 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 and saving people's lives. And the no question of, fit, of um, financing that through the market. I know the, the, the market has been brought in and, and uh, has uh, contracted and done, you know, getting all the, uh, all the um, packages of, um, you know, the, oh, I've lost for words. Uh, PPE, the- um, Yeah. The, 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 Personal protective equipment. That's right. Yes. 
Yeah. There's been a lot of corruption in that, a lot yeah. of giving it to their mates. But the principle of the main expenditure has to go into the public sector, particularly the health service. I think breaks that whole convention that you've got to go via the market system. Um, yeah. You've got to go via the public system and the market. Even and now, I think, with all the privatisations we've had in, the, in Britain, it's only about 10% have been touched by the market sector. The 90% of public expenditure is still public expenditure. Okay. Uh, and then now, uh, so, so I think the idea of the, um, the filtering through the public, through, through the private sector, through market wealth creation, I, I think that's a goner. And the other thing that goes against that is all these um, high tech companies and speculators um, soaking up all the, um, all, all the money. That, that doesn't go very well with the public either. So, yeah. so we've had the two, the two things happening, the, the demonstration of the utter importance of the public sector and the, the, the gross inequalities of the private sector. If we can't make a, a case for social change in these circumstances, then we might as well give up. So that, that, if you don't mind, that brings me to another question. So. Is there any political maturation as well? Like, uh, have you been talking to, you know, political movements, political parties that that are starting to think that, yes, you know, this should be part of, like, of a political solution? Um, you know, I know, for example, in the US, MMT was very close to Sanders and, and people like that. And, uh, of course, Labour lost, and I, I suppose that's the side that you would have worked with. But is, is there any, do you see any progress politically in terms of, you know, making these ideas actually uh, as, as a basis of a very active social and ecological policy? I think we've got the, the we, we've laid the groundwork for it over these last decades, with particularly the critique of neoliberalism. I think uh, neoliberalism is, is, uh, is it's things like the concept of austerity. Um, this has been, I think they've lost their credibility. Mm -hmm. And what's been, what for a long time, the ideas of, the, the, of MMT and uh, other monetary critical theorists uh, is that it hasn't broken through into the mainstream left or the center left. Mm -hmm. they've, they've not taken on board, probably because it's complex. I think it, money is one of the most difficult things to understand because it's real and not real. And I think it is such a strange um, sort of hybrid phenomenon that uh, it, it's very, very hard for people to grasp. And particularly when you've had it hammered in for all this handbag economics for the last 30, 40 years, you know, it, it makes, it, it makes so, it seems to be common sense, doesn't it? You can only yeah. pay as much as you've got. And until you say you've got plenty, and as soon as you say you've got plenty, then to say plenty of money, there's no, there's no shortage of money. Immediately you get Zimbabwe, um, Venezuela, right. Weimar Republic. Now what's interesting about that is, it's always the same ones quoted over and over again. The fact that the majority of countries in the world live with modest levels of, of, of inflation or even quite high levels of inflation and still cope like, um, uh, and, and lots of, creation of money supply like Japan without inflationary um, responses. So uh, we, we'll, we, we've got the groundwork, we've got the arguments, it's been accepted by things like central banks. It's I've, I've noticed in the last few months two um, editorials in The Guardian, which is the kind of public sector newspaper in, in Britain, uh, promoting MMT type thinking. So if, if, if opinion leaders like the Guardian are accepting it, then we, we won't shift the, the, the ideologues for the market system. I mean, we were not looking at them, but the middle race, the public sector, the public sector economists, the welfare economists, if these take on board the, this the fundamental analysis that the, the new monetary thinking has done, then I think that it's an open door. So it's, it's that it's that barrier of, of people who still were are, are frightened of frightened of this threat of Weimar Republic, you know, right. um, 
and, and they, they, they can be, you can imagine a Labour Party, well, in fact, uh, the Labour Party manifesto in the, uh, the, uh, the 2019 election, um, uh, when, when Corbyn did his, uh, his uh, will nationalise everything, um, and uh, or, 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 he didn't say that, sorry, scrub that. Um, the public, widespread public expenditure is what I mean, widespread public expenditure. He was poo-pooed then, and yet the government's having to do it now. Yeah. The very things that, so, so it's, we haven't convinced the, really, the centre-left. And, and, and the, actually, to be honest, we haven't convinced the hard-left either, but I mean, I, I don't think they're uh, the source of social change. It's the centre-left you want to get at. Yeah. And the centre-left has not yet understood what we're saying, but I think we're getting there. Yeah. So have you followed the news that um, there was a, a petition, maybe you signed it, I don't know, uh, you know, with Thomas Piketty uh, um, to abolish the debt of the public sector at the European level? Have you have you followed that news? Uh, no, I haven't actually, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, I have been promoting the idea that any debt owed to central banks should be cancelled. Well, I because think there's there's a petition on that very subject that's been uh, signed by, uh, you know, at least in France, by quite a few famous uh, progressive economists. And there's already been reactions like um, the head of the IMF saying it's illegal uh, to do so. So they've been like, there's been a pushback. And I, I've watched the French televisions uh, pretty much, uh, you know, taking the very conservative point of view that it's ridiculous, that it can happen, that, you know, money has to be paid back. So certainly in terms of like public opinion uh, mechanisms, you know, it's not that it's not one yet, you know, this kind of no, idea. No. Well, I mean, it's, uh, something something you said there that uh, the French says it's, it's illegal to do it. Yes. It shows how uh, how it's not in the nature of money. That you can you can't do it because if they if it, if money dictated that we couldn't pay off public debt, for instance, then you wouldn't have to have a law about it. Right. People make laws. We the the the, the case for um, the, the 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 central bank not funding the state. This is this is the law. It's an ideology. It's an ideologically imposed law yeah. of, of, of neoliberalism. And and uh, you know, sort of mistaken economic thinking. There's nothing in money that says you can't cancel public debt. If it, I mean, this nonsense of the the, the state borrowing from the the, the, the commercial money market. Uh, so the state borrows the money. At the same time, the, the central banks create new money to buy that debt back again. What's all that about? It's just nonsense. It's just giving a little bit of uh, of, 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 of the, the the icing on the cake to the private sector. Right. I mean, it's actually it, subsidising the private sector, isn't it? Yes, subsidising the private sector. Yeah. I mean, how we don't politicians don't stand up and say this is nonsense. So I'm not underestimating how far we have to go, right. but but we do have a wave of of thinking. That is there, ready to be absorbed once people open their minds to it. Yeah. You see, I mean, just just I often draw the, the the point about Hayek. Hayek in the forties and fifties was making the point that they Reagan and, and Thatcher didn't pick up until the until the eighties, um, and and the the right wing, the neoliberal arguments were being built by a phalanx of neoliberal thinkers, and then broke through in twenty or thirty years. Well, we've been building the modern monetary thinking for 20 or 30 or 40 years, and it goes obviously goes back before that, but the, 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 the current wave has been going on for about, uh, you know, since the 1990s, say, particularly. And we, we've built up the head of steam in the same way the neoliberals built it up before 1979 or the late 1970s. And I think, you know, movements take time. You've got to, you've got to build the groundwork. Um, neoliberalism did that brilliantly, and I think we've got to do it brilliantly as well for social economics. Right. So just playing a bit the, the advocate of the devil. Um, so let's assume that, you know, this is an accepted principle in progressive governments. 
so how do you how do you manage the limits of that money creation so do you look at inflation or, or what's the um you know what's kind of the the outer limits of using these principles you know creating money for human need um yeah um well, well where where mmt is perfectly correct is that uh, taxation should be seen as a monetary instrument not a fiscal instrument it's a means of managing the money supply not making decisions about how what, how and what you spend the money on that's um, you know, the, the the fiscal questions can be taken by the is, is through political debate. How, how how much money do we want to give to the? How, not even how much money do we want to give to the public sector, but how much money does the public sector need? How much does the environment need? How much does the planet need to be spent to save the uh, from us from extinction? Right. You know, the climate change and all yeah. the rest of it. So so. That's the, those are the fiscal questions about how to, what, what do we want to spend money on. And um, the, the quid pro quo of that, if you decide that you need to spend 50, 60% of your GDP or GDP equivalent, I mean, GDP is not a very useful concept, but you know, of, the, of the outgoings of your whole economy, you want uh, your, your public sector is going to be equivalent to 50, 60%, which is more the Scandinavian model. Then the, the quid pro quo of that is, that to for, to balance this system monetarily you're going to have to retrieve quite a lot of that money and you're better off um putting money widely into the economy and then retrieving it from people you say well why pay a when we first uh, launched income tax people used to worry about well you're paying a public servant why do you give the money to them and they have to straightway give it back to you by paying their income tax that's silly you know, but it's not silly because there's the private sector as well and they have to pay their share. So you can't dock the money out of the public sector. Uh, you know, you've got to, so you've got to spread the burden across the, the public and the private economies and also between doctors and, and um, care workers and uh, lecturers and soldiers, you know, you, 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 you can't, um, you know, you can't have an individual um, tax collection from every individual person. You've got to deal with it across the board. So, so the, 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 you decide, politically you decide how big a public economy you want. Um, you then create and spend the money that you need through the public budgets. But the quid pro quo is you've got to then tell the economy what level you're going to take back across the board. So you don't pay higher taxes in order to create more public expenditure. You create more public expenditure, then have to ask for higher taxes, and therefore you, the, the difference. It's always been presented by by neoliberal and conventional economics that the, the the government's always got its hand in the taxpayer's pocket. The money would be better off in your pocket. You're being robbed by the state. No, you're not. You're just having to give back the proportion that um, stops you getting inflation. Um, so it's it, it's a, it's the inflationary control comes in the taxation system, and that's what MMT says, and I think that's the correct way to look at it. How to manage uh, it, Rock? I'm just continuing, but you know, if you have questions, please. Uh, uh, so I, I want to discuss two things with you, which is um, so what, we see two things happening now, which is on the one hand a you know like a, a fairly substantial growth of local currencies. Mm -hmm. which uh, seem to be designed to protect the local flows of, of, of money so that you know, the, um, the local people don't spend their money in institutions that then export the money to elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like generally speaking, I was in Ecuador in 2014 and you know, poor, poor people in the province go, you know, put their savings in the bank, but the banks, you know, always slush out the money uh, to Quito and then it you know it gets used in ways that don't benefit the local people so the design of local currencies is often designed to you know kind of protect the local flows uh, mm -hmm. that's one thing and then the other thing we see today is an explosion uh, of virtual currencies uh, especially now in 2021 it's really like seems like a pivot year 
in terms of you know the amount of uh, virtual currencies, the value of the virtual currencies, and so what what I see is a bit of a contradiction between a you know territorial world that's based on nation states and and territories, but through social media an increasing amount of human life is being organized in networks that are not directly linked to the territory, and these people are kind of you know sometimes an exodus of 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 their territory and and creating uh international streams of of currency that you know have a parallel circuit and so i was thinking how do you see this how how is the relationship between the nation state money the kind of relocalization which is happening in many many fields also you know in supply chains nowadays uh, and then this kind of like uh, virtual community, remote work, uh, digital nomads, you know, blockchain, all these things that are happening uh, uh, at the same time. So how is this going to, how do you say this fitting together or not? Yes. Um, I'm, I, my interest in social economy uh, is that... Um, it, it's it, it, it's another hybrid, isn't it, between the private sector and the, and, and the public social sector, um, because it 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 is effectively uh, it is it's not a public system. It's, you don't pool your money and then and then buy you know create your local health service or your local education system or whatever. Um, it's a it's a it's a way of trading locally, like let schemes are to trade trading schemes. Um, so therefore, it is it is a, 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 a socially constructed market, isn't it? But not not a for profit market. And I think there there are limits to to the, to that model. Um, because I don't think it can uh, very easily scale up um, the the social economies. They by definition the words local parallel complementary implies you've got you've got another economy that they're alongside and I, I studied my 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 doctoral um, my first publication book was on the British uh, cooperative movement that was massive it it, it, it fed half the working class of uh, of, of the UK and um, uh, for, for 150 years, but it couldn't stand up against the, 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 the American supermarkets effectively that came in, the American style supermarkets. So it was as big as you could get. And, uh, uh, but it also fell apart because the, the model of social insurance, where you join in mutuals to save for each other building societies, uh, that uh, that came up against the public economy of the national insurance and the national sector so it, it so it was it was it fell apart in the 1950s um, as, as the welfare economy built and the um, more rampant market economy built and the, this massive big British cooperative movement fell the stretch between the two ends so so I, that's why I got onto public economy because this isn't to say I don't value social economy and all the experiments and all the connections, but I, I think in the end it has to decide whether it's market or public, and to holding this this hybrid position is it can be quite tricky. Um, when it comes to the um, the uh, computer economies, cryptocurrencies, uh, I I don't have much time for these at all. I mean, we, at the moment we've got a terrific Ponzi um, flood in the, um, it's almost tulip mania, isn't it? The, um, the, the Bitcoin at the moment with the Tesla guy coming in um, and uh, just uh, bigging up the market and put, uh, that's it's a, as near corruption as you can get, you big up the market and you, and you invest 150 billion in it. Um, yeah, um, but my analysis of, of Bitcoin and these things is they will fall apart between the market and, and, and being public economies or, or um, national, national currencies or, or, or private currencies. I don't think they're going to survive any better um, because my, my argument about the nature of money is the money system is, must be valueless in itself. The money 
you use cannot have its own value. Otherwise, it cannot, it cannot measure other value because if it has its own value, you have to say, well, what's the economy, what's the what's the currency worth? What's a Bitcoin worth? If you want to use it as money, I want to buy a house with Bitcoin. Well, what's a Bitcoin worth today? Because I can't I, to know how much Bitcoin I need to buy my house. I need to know whether it's 40,000 of Bitcoin or 10,000 or 5,000 or 3,000. And if you start asking those questions about a currency, then you have to say, well, how do you measure how much a Bitcoin is worth? And you put it up against another economy like the dollar or the pound or the, or the yen or the, or the euro. Uh, but if you then start saying, well, what's a euro worth? Then you have to say, well, you have to put that in terms of dollars, um, uh, yen or, or pounds or whatever. Um, if you have to ask, what is the money worth? You, you're, you, it's not money anymore because it needs another money to give it its worth. So, so the, 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 the currencies that work are the currencies that in the end, the value is, is, is nominal. Uh, if, is this thing worth $5 or $10? That says nothing about what a dollar is worth. That's, that is worth half. That's a $5, that's a $10. That's a, and, and, and money has to be that nominal, that un, having no value in itself to be effective as money system. So I see all these cryptocurrencies at the moment as largely uh, Ponzi schemes. Uh, they, they, there's nothing there, absolutely nothing there, bar a computer code. And uh, so to me, they're, they're a nonsense, a complete nonsense. They're going to be no good as money. And in the end, they're no good as investment. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that's a pretty good segue uh, also in terms of your focus on sufficiency and yeah. the concept model or indicator of uh, gross domestic provisioning. Uh, maybe you could say a little bit about that model. Yeah. Um, this, I need to go back to the theory of money a little bit to, in order hmm. to say this. Yeah. Um, the idea is, is that there is, there is um, credit money or bank money which is money that we borrow from the banks to fund the private spending and the private sector. Um, and then there is a real money, which is often seen as, I, 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 uh, strangely enough, as public money, because the, the state is seen as being the, the, the um, source of real money, notes, coins, etc. cetera. Um, I, I think this distinction falls down because uh, money in, in, in the banking system, non-tangible non money, is money. Um, so, so all the money, to me, all, all the pound currency, is, is, it's all wherever it is in the system, it's all, it's all the currency, it's the pound. Um, what is important is, how does this enter the economy? Does it enter the economy by being spent into the economy, as with the public sector? Or is it being borrowed into the economy, which is the private? So it's not the money itself that is different; it's the way it's it's, it's accessed. And therefore, um, as soon as you put a debt-based economy, uh, where you access your money via this is new money. This is this isn't uh, recirculated money. This is new money. If you get all your new money through the banking system, this has ecological, social, and political uh, eco economic consequences. Economic that you you can only borrow to a certain level before the, 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 the people can take no more debt or the banks will give no more debt. And most of the quantum easing money is now stuck in the banks. It's got not, not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's not, go, not going there. So economically, it doesn't work. Socially, it doesn't work because if, you, if you're poor, you can't, get a, you can't get any money from the banking system. Only if you're credit worthy can you get money from the banking system. It's ecologically unsound because it drives the money system drives the economy, the need to pay the money back and to make profit, etc. So you can't make ec ecological choices. That just becomes another cost. Um, so therefore, politically, that causes problems because the, the, the system doesn't satisfy anybody. So it seems to me that we need to get away from um, debt-based economics to just the social allocation through democratic choices. And uh, to, to me, uh, and, and you've also got to bridge the gap between paid and unpaid work. So you've still got the problem of the externalization of the costs of, of 
the life cycle of the human being, bringing birth, health, uh, death, old age, sickness. You've got to cover those. You've got to cover the damage to nature, the need to sustain and re re repopulate nature. So to me, the way you, you make sure that that becomes important rather than the driving of money, profit or bank pay, repayment is by bringing people in to make the, the, the decisions themselves as close to the, the to the human life as possible, as close to the to the individual in their family, in their home, in their community, in their in their business, uh, in, in their employment. And my my uh, my hope is the more you democratize the allocation of money, the more people will will bring forward their most basic needs. I need somewhere to actually, I need shelter, I need food, I need clothing, I need I need intellectual development. Um, this is so this is what so my my the link between sufficiency provisioning is that we get away from economy, which has been ideologically um, taken over by market fundamentalism, by market ideology. And, and we broaden the concept of economy. So I've used the word provisioning rather than economy, because it's not about the value of money and value for money. It's about need and provisioning is about need. But you, the, the, the mainstream economics starts from the idea that needs are unlimited. And wants as, as well as needs, and the wants and needs together are unlimited. And we, we've got every. And I, ironically, it's a model of scarcity, but it's a scarcity about money. It's not a scarcity about resources. It's a scarcity about money, which isn't isn't the thing that's scarce. Resources are scarce. Money isn't. Um, so so. Uh, um, lost my thread again. Um, just a second. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to it. Um, Yes, yes. So, so, so that brings us to the principle of sufficiency, because um, it's it's not a case of um, things are scarce, resources are scarce, and therefore um, it's important to establish the concept in terms of the allocation of of value and money in society. Is it should be that you should have sufficiency for everyone, but not uh, enough for all, but not uh, and you say, well, how do you measure what's enough? Well, what's enough is difficult to measure, but we know what too much is, and we know what too little is. And if you're not, if you've not got people suffering, and if you've not got people who are accumulating huge amounts of unequal amounts of of of, of, um, of wealth and of, of consumption, then it's sufficiency provisioning enough. Uh, to me is what the model we should be going for. So that's how I see the democratization of money as being the route to decisions about sufficiency provisioning. <coughs> and it covers, provisioning covers what the market delivers, what the public sector delivers, what the social economy delivers, and what the household delivers. So it's, 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 it's the model that runs them all together. <coughs> maybe i have one more question but so th there's different studies that show that you know if companies were, were to have to pay their externalities mm -hmm. they wouldn't make uh any profit actually there's one study in france that said that none of the top 40 companies in the stock market would be profitable if they had to pay for the ecological ecological damage um, so how do we do that? We need massive, you know, uh, investment in regenerative, um, you know, investments for restoring uh, natural resources, biodiversity, climate change. So how do we do that? What's what happens to the private economy in this kind of scenario? Um, well, I don't. I, I think the private economy is very much. Uh, um, dependent on there being a public economy anyway. So I don't think, I think the, the worry about the private sector profit, which is what we're really talking about, um, assumes that we need the private sector to, uh, to be profitable for us to, to have any public economy or pay for nature or anything. Um, but but 
um, just a second, I've got to, got to think again, it's bloody medication. Uh, can you just remind me what I was saying there? Where, where were you talking, you, a question you asked me again, just remind me again. So the oh, assumption, you said the assumption is that we need a private economy to fund. Yeah. Yeah. The catch twenty-two is the you 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 get the money from it, it, under the handbag economics. You get the money for public expenditure and externalities and nature and things from the profits made by the private sector. The, the private sector says, well, in order for us to make a lot of profit, you mustn't make us pay any you know too many public or environmental costs. Uh, then we can create more money. Uh, but the trouble is you can't extract them from the private sector because they will always say, well, we need low, 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 the low ta tariffs on us to, to create the wealth for you. But so the, the, the notion that we need profitable businesses, um, in a sense, I think this, this isn't to say we should make everything part of, of, of uh, a nationalized economy or a, um, I think the, the idea of We've got to get to a form of market which is, uh, which uh, provides initiative, uh, provides um, people with the uh, enthusiasm to do things, but isn't profit based. That they should be content to cover their costs. Uh, the idea that you've got the, the skimmed off profits. I think the whole notion of stock stock holding and stock markets, and particularly. Um, uh, speculation. I know the speculation um, becomes the, we've become a speculative economy, haven't we? We haven't even we're not even worried about profits now in the in the the uh, productive sector. Um, so so the bleatings of the private sector about it needs its profits. I think it, it, we should be moving as many stuff in the in the um, in the public private sector into the social sector so you so you you retain the elements of creativity entrepreneurialism etc and you don't have to have state planning because uh, so that you get the flexibility of people's um, initiatives and ideas and proposals um, and you, we should close down the speculative lot and if you if you want to invest in social enterprises or, or private enterprises you should assume you hold the, those um, investments for a period of time like six months at least which will stop all the speculation so it seems to me that uh, we don't need to listen to the bleating of the present um, structure of the private sector. I think we put the we put the people first, we put people's needs first, we put the environment first. Uh, we, we profit, if it's going to be profit at all, comes well down the line. And we shouldn't really anyway um, be accessing new money through bank loans and banking system. There should be far more awareness that private, that private entrepreneurial work, we're back to the Mariana Mazzucato here, relies on public investment and public uh, initiative and public creativity. So I think the, the specialness of the market and the entrepreneur just has to be denied. We need the entrepreneurial, we need the, what we want is a responsible private sector with a well-funded and comprehensive public sector and plenty of space for social initiatives that sit between the two. The two models. Thank you very much. Um, like I suppose uh, we're closing in on the hour, but I had one uh, last question. Maybe Michelle, you will have another. But uh, I understand that the UK is also the the locus of uh, some thinking along the lines of universal basic services. Uh, also connected to the ecological dimension and you know participatory approaches to designing uh, services uh, based on the cooperative model. Uh, I don't know if you've been following any of, of the work or if uh, 
the kind of uh, the concept of universal basic services would resonate with with what you're implying. I think it's describing more or less what I'm saying, isn't it? Really, it's, it's, at least it's one main aspect of it. That is, comes up against universal basic income, uh, which is not the same as universal basic services. Um, I think universal basic services should come first, rather than a basic income, um, if you've got a choice. So, uh, so if, if the, I know that the two are now kind of uh, rubbing along beside each other and. Uh, and different sides the same. So I suppose I lean to the universal basic services as, uh, as, as the main model, because I think the spreading of the income, uh, uh, the giving of, of a basic income to everybody is, is it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't seem to make as much use of, of the resources. But that doesn't mean to say that, I, I certainly think anybody who's falling below a basic income level should be should have be given a basic income so we should decide what level of basic income is and if anybody falls below that they should have it as a right but the idea of a, of a basic income system that is universal i think is probably not the best use of, of the pooling of human resources so is that that makes sense yeah thank you uh, Michel, did you have any follow-up? No, I'm 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 satisfied. It was a very mm. interesting conversation, and and mm. yeah, I I think I'm, I'm think good. Covered a lot, yeah, and we think it will complement uh, your article uh, very nicely. Mm. Well, hopefully, I'm sorry to have coughed and spluttered a bit through it all. Oh, no troubles at all. Thank you so much, Mary, for for joining us today. Well, thank you, thank you to the spiders. Um, initiative for uh, bringing together all this material and giving us opportunity to voice all these ideas and uh, i hope all goes well i look forward to hearing great things yeah thank you so much mary no it's, problem uh, thanks for your you know lifelong engagement on these lines oh, well, yeah well i don't know how much longer i've got of me life to do it but i'll i'll, I'll keep going as much as i can there's a big yes, um, conference in berlin uh, in October on uh, central banks, which uh, are trying to pick oh, up okay. this radicalism on central banks. So hopefully things will happen. All right. Excellent.